Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Layers podcast, where we talk about all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. Today, we're excited to have Peter DeLuca, Chief Creative Officer and Senior Vice President at T-Mobile. He leads the brand, creative, and media teams and oversees content development, brand strategy, media planning, and buying, events, and social for T-Mobile, including Metro by T-Mobile, T-Mobile for Business, and home and entertainment. Peter's responsible for bringing the uncarrier to life and is known for leading the transformation of T-Mobile's brand into the industry-shaking customer champion it is today, the uncarrier. Prior to joining T-Mobile in 2010 as VP of Advertising, Retail, Merchandise, and Media, DeLuca was SVP and CMO for specialty retailer Banana Republic. He also held several executive level marketing positions at Charles Schwab and began his career working for advertising agencies in New York City. Welcome, Peter. Thank you. I really look forward to uh, having a conversation today. Amazing career, amazing brands you've worked for. Tell us, why did you come to T-Mobile? I've been at T-Mobile right now, like almost 11 plus years. And I came here because I saw an opportunity to really help turn a brand around and really take the reins of of leading the creative charge of what I considered a great American brand to really refocus it and reestablish it in the U.S. Amazing. 11 years. So a lot has changed at T-Mobile in 11 years. Can you tell us a little bit about some of that change and where you are today? For sure. Well, I mean, it's a pretty dramatic change. You know, when I arrived at T-Mobile, our business was losing about 2 million customers every year. So every quarter, 500,000 customers would leave the brand. So you really had a big challenge. And we knew, and working with our CEO and our CMO at the time, we needed to make some real dramatic changes, which is where we launched this platform. And it's really a platform called the Uncarrier. And it was really reshifting everything that we did as a business. It wasn't just a marketing campaign. It was an idea that we had to refocus how we went to market as a business and really centered it all around doing what's right for the customer. And that's been our platform. And we've been on that journey for eight of the 11 years that I've been at the company. And really, we've seen a dramatic change. So we we went from being the number four carrier in the United States or the, that time to now being the number two brand in the marketplace. Now, of course, there's been some mergers along the way, which has been pretty interesting also. Yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit more about that, like take a few minutes to talk about the competitiveness of the space over the years, the consolidation that has happened when you came on board there were more brands out there, right? You just recently gobbled up one of those brands and became a bigger brand, right? So can you talk about that progression and during your, your, during your time? Like, what was it like at the beginning? What was the big, maybe next big jump that happened? How did you make that first big turnaround when you were losing 500,000 a month, a quarter? Well, you know, the key thing here is we take a very brand-centric view of the world versus a product-centric. I've worked in, as you you described through my resume earlier on, I've worked in a lot of different categories. This is the most competitive category I've ever worked in. And the dynamics of it change almost on a weekly basis because you have to really maneuver. And part of the deal is we have to grow the switcher pool, meaning people who switch from carrier to carrier. But 
it's also a much more dynamic landscape. It's not just a consumer-oriented business. It's also growing into the enterprise and business side of the wireless category, as well as expanding categories into bringing 5G into home broadband space. The key thing about it is, as a wireless provider, your brand doesn't have tangibility. There are devices which other either like Samsung and Apple are providing, and we're the connectivity to them. We are the invisible part of that connection. And part of what we've been really trying to do is make that visible to the consumer and how you do it. And, and it's hard because it's invisible, but it's been an interesting journey where you have to exercise the role of brand, I think in this category, greatly because you can never teach it or you can never see it or touch it. So let's talk about today, the competitiveness of today. I personally have a competitor mobile carrier, frankly, because of inertia. Why should I switch to T-Mobile from one of the other two big brands? Today, it's, we're moving into what we call the 5G era. And there's been a lot of hype going on about what is 5G, when is 5G going to be rolled out? Our belief is where our brand is positioned, and it's partially through our merger with Sprint over the past two years. We sit in an enviable place where we have the most spectrum holding, and spectrum is what actually creates the wireless networks that you build in the 5G category, which means we will be able to deploy, and we have already deployed, we already cover 300 million U.S population with what we call our low-band spectrum 5G. We have been rolling out mid-band spectrum. And mid-band, for those of you listening in, not technical like me, mid-band spectrum just means that's the fast part of 5G. And that's being rolled out. We currently are nearing or just over 200 million pops. So two-thirds of the U.S. now has coverage of that. So if you're a consumer and really want to be part of the 5G era today, T-Mobile is the one brand where you actually get more bars of 5G in more places across the U.S. There's that yeah, component I, of it. Yeah, and I'd heard that T-Mobile invested pretty early in true 5G versus the others were really, they just thought, let's move from 4G to LTE to this low band 5G. It all becomes a race for spectrum. And that's really what it comes mm. down to in our category because spectrum is, that's sort of what the product, we don't talk about it that way to consumers because they wouldn't understand it. We talk about it as right. four and 5G, but really the underpinnings of the future rely on this advancement of technology. And if you recall, the 4G era ushered in, you know, there wouldn't be products like Uber and there wouldn't be products like Lift and there wouldn't be products about just e-commerce, digital, like mobile commerce was founded on the foundation of LTE. The future of where 5G is going to take us is still being defined. That's the other part about it right now, because everybody just thinks of 5G as being fast. It's much more than fast because it's able to just the vast, the way the spectrum works, you're able to deploy so much more content through a 5G infrastructure that consumers it's going to be really seeing autonomous cars. People talk about them. That is a future, but the future can't not be there unless you had a connected 5G network over the course of it. But that's just like an example of it. Healthcare. Healthcare should explode over the next 10 years just in terms of, of what we can do. And even just how we engage in content. Like, I mean, I think the pandemic has forced us all 
into viewing content very differently than we've ever done it before. And we're doing it mobily much more than we've ever done it before. And I think you're going to see a lot of evolution from there also. Yeah, I think it's just that people want to download their stuff faster, right? On the subway platform, they want to download the entire movie before they uh, get on the subway. And you know that is so true. But just just like think about like just go back five years, even to talk oh, yeah, about they take it for granted. Movie, you take it for granted, like what you were doing five years ago is running to find a Wi-Fi signal to do your download before you either jumped on a plane. Now you're going to be able to do it wherever you are. Like that is the future. I mean, that's a real consumer, easy consumer, an easy way for the consumer to digest the possibilities of it. But the real big thing here is like the possibilities haven't even started yet. It's not just about fast. It's about what's to come. And it's an exciting place to go. Yeah. Look, I remember when the coolest thing on earth was a quote unquote webcam pointed at a coffee machine in some corporate office in Silicon (laughs) Valley. And every 30 seconds, you got a a new frame to see if it had moved. You know, that was like, we thought that was magic. And now look at what's happened. I mean, every time more bandwidth comes up, society changes entirely. And it really is, we're looking for the next generation of creators to bring us what we haven't thought about before. Like I said, who would have ever thought, like you go back and I talked about like Uber or Lyft, and you just think about it. who would have ever thought that on your phone, you could go and it would tell you where you're located and a car would come up and pick you up. I mean, having lived in New York, stepping out of my apartment building, your old way to do it is putting your hand up and hoping you could get a cab coming by. But this yeah. is like a way that it's just, it's changed the way we've interacted. I mean, it's changed the way we buy groceries. It's changed the way yeah. so many things that we do today. Yeah, and soon we're going to have drones delivering things and and it's going to be even wackier. So tell me about this Uncarrier. What does that mean? Well, you know, really the foundation of Uncarrier is really the dedication and the focus of the consumer. And when we initially established the Uncarrier, it was going into our category and finding pain points that we could go in and solve. And they were simple pain points like, Consumers didn't want to have contracts with their wireless plans. And that was like signature move 1.1, where we got rid of the annual service contract with wireless plans. And it opened up the marketplace and consumers go, wow, that's so unique and different. There are things about upgrading phones when we went in and did that. Data roaming when you went to Europe. Like, I don't know if you recall traveling in Europe back 10 years ago, like the data fees and structure were were crazy. And we went in and found a solution and brought it to the consumer. And they went, wow, that is very, very, very differentiated in the marketplace. That was like the heart and soul of where the young carrier was. Find problems, find pain points and go and fix them. As we've evolved and become bigger and we've solved many, 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 many of the wireless pain points. We also had to look for ways to surprise and delight our consumers. And along that journey, it was everything from adding Netflix on us included in your plan. And now there's Apple TV plus included in our plans. It's very robust plans. We were also the first to bring unlimited plans and commercially market them across all of our plans. And Really, if you think about, again, I keep going back to getting people in the headspace of, do you remember when you had data limits on your wireless plans and you were so concerned that I'm going to run out of data, I'm going to get an overage charge? We saw that as the opportunity to say, you know what? You never have to worry about that again. Hence, unlimited data comes into the marketplace. Now, 
competitors, lots of competitors have followed. And it was going back to one of the questions you asked a little bit earlier is this has become a highly competitive marketplace. And there's been a lot of people that have copied what the young carriers has done, which constantly forces us to continue to reinvent and rethink how we go to market. Well, how does it feel? I mean, it must feel pretty good to be the one pushing all these things, just be able to say, hey, remember when you had to, <laughs> when you had to pay to call Long Island from Manhattan? I fixed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, again, this has been a real privilege having to be able to be at the helm of driving creative for a brand like T-Mobile. Like it's been a, just an amazing journey. And I've been given a lot of permission from the leadership of this company to really push the envelope and how we show up as a brand. And we really pride ourselves as not acting or looking like our other competitors, like really going out there. And we've done things where music has been an integral part of how we show up as a brand. And and it's really a twofold way we do it. We leverage music part of everything that we do in terms of just how we use it within advertising. But then we're also big sponsors of events across the country that leverage music. And it's both in festival format, as well as sponsoring folks like Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande over the course of the years. It's just really important to be part of culture. Like I always have said, our brand is not here to create culture. Our brand is here to celebrate and bring culture to people that may not always get it. And that's you know why we believe in festivals and things like that, because it's an experiential part in time for consumers today. You know, I'm sure you're most of the time dealing with those big ideas and, and taking a look at implementing those. But I have an uncle who used to be in the old telco business at MCI and Sprint and WorldCom and those kinds of things. And he was in marketing. He told me a lot about how most of it in telco ends up being a lot about packaging and really understanding like how these small differences are going to make big opportunities from a marketing perspective, but how are they also going to deliver profitability or revenue or things like that? I don't know if you're involved in much of that, but I think it'd be interesting for our listeners to really hear what goes on in coming up with the idea of unlimited data or don't worry about paying 10 megabytes for Europe. How does that happen? How does that come about from a business perspective? Well, I mean, when I'll go back to the journey, where it really started was mining consumer insight and consumer insight, which was really interesting. And this was both the research that you do amongst consumers, but what's been really interesting over the past 10 years is using the social channels as a way to really get unfiltered consumer input. And we mined it many, many, many times along the way. And it became the germs of ideas that then we'd go and say, can this be commercial? Can you commercialize this idea? And that was when we started like the European, uh, including European data in our plans, was we were looking at social posts and people talking about, oh my gosh, I just spent $500 when I was in Europe on data. And we like, can we go fix that? Or people go, I can't believe I've got this broken phone and I've had it for years and I can't upgrade my phone. So it was so interesting. Now we validated it through our own research and then we built upon that, but there's really two sides of the house. And there's the side that I have to take an idea and then bring it to life 
across all consumer touch points. But I work very closely with what I would call my business partners on the other side, because at the end of the day, if a consumer can't understand it, or you have an idea that you have to explain too much to the consumer, ideas have to be simple, crisp, and really sharp for the consumers to get. And I think we've been really fortunate that we've found like these pain points and then gone in and solved them and make it really, really compelling for them to notice us. Because the category is very noisy. We haven't really talked about it, but you know we're probably one of the most overspent categories in terms of just media spend. And what's really hard about it is not how much you spend in media, it's what you say and how you spend that makes it compelling to the consumer. Can you talk a little bit about that now? You know, you do a decent amount of things that I would call earned media opportunities, like the Reese's tie-in at Halloween and things like that, that get you a lot of coverage. How do you look at that as a marketer? Do you bank on earned really adding a lot of value because maybe you're not spending as much as your competitors or how do you look at those two channels? We take a very broad holistic approach where there's what you have to pay for. That's our ad side of the house and even even the social side of the house just in terms of pay. But we also believe you have to tell your stories in broader places where you're able to reach consumers a little bit different. And you brought up like the Reese's store, Reese's. And it was a great interaction where we created a 5G apartment, which was really a fun, engaging way to get people to think about our brand slightly differently. Because where you show up with stories like that are in places where we traditionally would not be as a brand. Like we found ourselves on morning talk shows and in morning talk shows, not just in New York City, across the country, or ridden up in mommy blogs as a really interesting and novel place. We did another thing with Lightbright over the Christmas holiday where we created a 5G Lightbright where Lightbright came with an extra special magenta, which is our color set of little Lightbright pegs. And it became one of these things where nostalgia played a huge part of it. And we were being talked about as holiday gifting, which our brand, like you would never show up there. So what's important about it is it's, and I don't want to call it the shock value because it's more about getting your brand to show up in places where traditionally would not be to get the consumers to hear about it. So then the next time that they're seeing you on TV going, oh, that's the brand that did the Halloween thing, or that's the brand that had that really cool light bright idea. It's bringing it all together for the consumers that way and telling a much broader narrative beyond just what you normally do every single day. Right. I mean, how do you become more than just this technology service, basically? How do you become a a brand that people feel connects with them? Versus just, hey, I need more speed or my phone doesn't work here or something like that. It's the heart side of the brand. Like your brand has to be able to fit into the lives of America and to connect with them. Because the one thing about wireless is when you go, well, who's your target audience? And you go, well, it's everyone. It's every single person in the U.S. is a target customer. So your appeal is from everyone in the big cities, but you also have to have this great appeal to people that live in more rural America and small towns because connectivity has been the great equalizer into what we're doing today. And our brand needs to play from the big markets to the small markets and everywhere in between. So speaking of that, we at Cognitive, we're an AI company. We use deep learning algorithms to help 
marketers such as yourself, figure out the small differences between a person who would be a T-Mobile versus a competitor. You, I believe, are using AI and things like that as part of your marketing mix, whether that's in customer service or otherwise. I'd love to hear a little bit more about where you're thinking about AI and, and how that's helping you from a marketing perspective. I would say how we think greatly about it is we call it the customer journey or the customer experience from soup to nuts, because at the end of the day, we want our customers to have the absolute best experience. And, and what I mean by that, and this is where you get AI involved and things like that. It's like, how do you connect the touch points of a human? Like they come to your website, they call you in your call centers, they visit a store, they see ads in social. Our job as marketers today is not to make the consumer close the loop. Our job is to close the loop for consumers and make that ecosystem that I just described a pretty seamless thing because you should be able to see a post in social, but then if you walk into a store, our store reps, they may not know exactly what you saw, but they should understand what you've just experienced and be able to help you. Similarly, like if I've gone into a store and then I end up calling my care team, you want to have connected tissue there. And part of what you have to do is like, it's, you know, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's like this digital world we all live in today at the end of the day is all connected. And as marketers, and I call it as, you know, my job is as a storyteller for a, a large brand like T-Mobile is how do I keep consistency to my stories that they don't become disconnected? And that's not saying everything has to be perfectly matching luggage because I don't think that is is the way of what we have to do. I think we have to be able to present ourselves. And if I know you've seen one thing in social, I probably should want to serve you something different when you come to our website. Or if, I, or if you walk into our store, we don't dynamically serve creative, obviously, in our stores, but we definitely ensure that our storytelling and our narrative fits the stories that we've told outside of the physical environments that we have. Okay, so you're getting into things like dynamic creative and all that customer journey sounds very complicated. Recently, you guys talked about entering ad tech with your uh, marketing solutions division. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk a little bit about that and what was behind that? Well, it's a whole emerging part of our business and it's a whole, it's a whole team of individuals who are basically leveraging data, obviously anonymized, and being able to help inform other marketers as well as ourselves, what consumers are doing. And, and really where it helps shape, it's helped make you smarter as we buy our own media across the board. And I think a lot, I mean, we're not the only brand doing it today. I think we happen to hold a lot of interesting data. And I know our marketing solutions team is out in the marketplace. Been a little challenging launching a new sort of feature during the pandemic. It is starting to get a lot more traction right now uh, out there. But at the end of the day, like when you really start to think about it is consumer, and you're right, you use data to help inform, like, what should I be telling you? Like data will tell us what you've been exposed to. And I probably shouldn't continue. It helps you with frequency balancing. Like, do you want to send the same message to the same person like 400 times? Or would it be better right. to serve it, serve you a storytelling journey? Like, again, with like the uncarried, there are so many parts and components of our story. Maybe I should start with who we are as a brand. And maybe the next thing is we've got this great rate plan. And did you know you get Netflix with it? And 
did you know, like uh, you can now get a great device offer, but don't try to tell me at the very beginning of the journey, Hey, we got a great device offer when I've never told you who the brand is. That's right. kind of how, I mean, I, again, I think I've oversimplified it, but that's how we have to think about it. We have to like get you on this path as a consumer. And this is where your digital ecosystem helps tell that narrative in a much more consistent and cohesive way versus more traditional media, which is still, I mean, you still can apply a lot of the learnings from digital, be it what you've learned from messaging to consumers, what resonates with them. Can you build that back a bit to your ATL? And we do that all the time. We take learnings that we apply across all of our platforms and constantly be a learner because I think that's the other thing as you develop creative. You have so much more ways that you can learn from consumers what resonates with them that you can make your creative smarter along. It's a constantly evolving ecosystem is I think the best way to express it. So we're running a little short on time, but I wanted to talk about Metro a little bit just as a brand because it seems to be a totally different proposition. Would you like to talk a little bit about Metro and how how you guys are looking at it? For sure. So the way that we look at it, it is, it's a unique brand. It's Metro by T-Mobile. And the easiest way to understand it is, so T-Mobile, master brand sells what we call postpaid plans, plans that you pay on a monthly basis. On Metro, it's a prepaid plan. And really, it's an entirely different base of consumers that are attracted to a more prepaid model. And what we believe with Metro is we want to give them the number one best network because as a Metro customer, you get access to the T-Mobile 5G network, which is great but it's how you position it. So it's it's the art of positioning your brand within the marketplace. And, and part of it is we look at the consumer and what we want to talk about is how Metro helps make their life better and how wireless inserts itself. And the way that we talk about it is what consumers are able to do and the benefits of it. And it's everything from, uh, you talked a little bit about it, that it helps you on your commute because you can download movies or you can go to night school. There's just so many different aspects of it, but we believe we want to give, this is like that whole all access to consumers and you have to serve up different propositions and you create your rate plans and the way that you market in a little bit more stripped down version. It's like, it's, and which is why you have unique brands and it's, it's a unique brand in that it also has its own set of stores, but sold differently. It's not sold within our T-Mobile branded doors. It's sold in T-Mobile uh, in Metro by T-Mobile branded doors and that ecosystem and that journey that we were talking about for T-Mobile, we replicate for the same journey and we just approach the customer or the audience differently. And we, we create unique creative and unique messaging platforms and we go at that consumer that way. Amazing. So just to finish up, what's next for you and T-Mobile? What's 2022 look like? Has COVID made any changes to your 2022 plans? Well, the one thing that I will say, which has been really interesting is, you know, we've learned to be a brand that can be able to create marketing without having to be in the office, which was something, you know, we are a highly collaborative culture. However, we're going to be a hybrid culture because there is something about collaboration that's always going to be really, really important. And I thrive on being in a room with smart marketers because I'm a builder and that's how I like to build upon ideas and upon ideas. And it's how I work with my creative teams. How I work with my media teams. But I think for T-Mobile, it is about continually 
building our brand in the marketplace. It's evolving from where we were the challenger brand into a leadership brand. And through our merger with Sprint, I mean, I talked a little bit earlier about we are now the number two wireless provider, and that requires you to do things differently. However, the uncarrier nature of our business never goes away. Focus on the customer, do what's right for the customer, and continue to evolve that messaging. So you're going to see you're going to see a lot more of that as we roll into 2022 and beyond, and really anchoring on our leadership in, in 5G. Great. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for being on the program. This has been another podcast of Hidden Layers, and we hope that you guys are staying safe and healthy, and please tune in next time. I'm your host, Jeremy Fain, co-founder, CEO of Cognitive. Thanks, everybody.